Close your eyes and just imagine for a moment. It's a glorious, hazy evening and you're in the garden, or the park, or perhaps camping somewhere. There are children happily playing nearby. Maybe they're yours, maybe they're somebody else's annoying brats. Someone has brought a guitar and knows how to play it. Friends have come round and the wine is open. You're all sat around an open fire and maybe you're barbecuing. Sausages perhaps, a steak, some griddled asparagus or courgette if that's your thing. And it is wonderful. And this is the scene Louise Wright, founder of Woody, wants to create in your mind to convince you to buy one of her very beautiful, very versatile and bespoke fire pits. She isn't selling you a tool or a possession, a thing, but a vision, a way of life. A simpler time where the day-to-day -day pressures are left behind and you are just able to be. I'm Alex Feeney and you're listening to The Accidental Startup, where I find out about what makes business owners and entrepreneurs tick, how they approach their companies and the various challenges they face and what we can all learn from their experiences. I first chatted to Louise at the start of 2020 and she had grand plans for expanding not just her range of products but her brand as well as she developed what she called experiences, days where you could spend time learning how to cook outside, foraging and connecting with nature. But before I could publish the chat, coronavirus came along and changed everything. So this is now a chat in two parts, pre-Rona and during, because I wanted to know what Louise has been doing to keep going, how she's been using her time, and whether she and Woody could even come out of this a stronger and more versatile company than before. But we start at the beginning. I come from a really heritage rural background so my dad is a traditional roofer and so is my husband and so for me I come from that sort of background and it's really seeped into everything that I've done and I think you just grow up you know if you're in a craft background of any sort or any sort of traditional heritage skills it just seeps into everything you do and you just absorb it and I think that although it wasn't the most natural thing for me to go into I mean roofing isn't my thing I think those things just come out in later life. So when I was really thinking about my business, it just seemed a really natural thing for me to be working with natural materials and using natural skills. Explain to me, um, you know, daily life then at home growing up. Were you, were you surrounded by people whittling and, and, and <laughs> binding and so on? What was that like? <laughs> Um, not so much. I think because no, I've I got the sort of bohemian <laughs> feel in my mind. Well, do you know what? I, I'm one of three girls, and my dad always wanted a son. So I was the one that went shooting. I went fishing. You know, I was always up to my neck in mud looking for newts. I had a really country um, background, really, and I feel really lucky about that. And, and I think that's something that that kids don't have today, and adults, you know, strive for. So I think that part of what I do, it's all about those sort of heritage things and using your hands. 
you know, we're all, you know, so many people are so disconnected that for me it's really important to make things, to be connected. And I think that's a really important skill. And if I can use that in the things that I make, but also to give that to other people, so to bring them in, so we do courses now, and that's going to be a, enabling them to learn to cook and enabling them to use their hands, and I think that's such an important thing. What are the things that you are you're known for? But possibly, you know, it's right there on your website when you go to it. It's the fire pit. Yeah. It's a pretty fire pit, then, and, <laughs> and it's not an obvious industry. It's not an obvious thing to stumble upon and go. Did you are? I'm going to make that. <laughs> no, and do you know how I started? So everything I do is around fire. And one day, I've got four children, four wonderful children. And when the youngest started school, he's twelve now. Um, I was talking about what I could do. So I've been really involved in the scouts. You know, I was sort of chair of our local scout group, chair of the local. PTA and um, the preschool and I had all this energy and I was doing so many things for other people and it got to a point and I thought actually I can do something you know what can I do where can I channel all this energy now and I was thinking what I could do and as I was doing that talking to my husband sat in our lovely lounge I was opening the um, wood burner and burnt my hands for about the hundredth time and we just thought why don't you my husband said why don't you just design something you know, to open that, you know, start somewhere, think about that, channel your energy into that. And so for the next probably several months, it took up to 18 months to do it, but I ended up making this tool out of plasticine. My husband got in the shed whittling wood and we made this really beautiful tool to open our wood burner. And I know that sounds crazy, but it was just the channeling and the making. And that was a really important thing. And I won a table talent competition with Country Living magazine. And I went and launched the product up there. And it became really obvious really quickly that this wasn't going to be a mass market product because I had three different designs to open different wood burner doors. This beautiful tactile wooden handle to open a really hot handle on your wood burner. But nobody had any idea um, what their wood burner was. What handles on their wood burner? I'd get people saying, it's black, you know, a black one. Black and burns wood. I mean, that's a general definition, isn't it? That's, 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 what you, that's what you started with. Huh? And it was one of those moments of pivoting. You know, and when I look back now, I think that was a pivot. And so I put, still put a lot of energy into that. But I started looking at other things that were easier to sell. So, for instance, everyone knows what a poker does. Everyone knows what a toasting fork is, a bellows. And so I started developing a range of those things that were, although still niche, they were more appealing to um, anyone. They looked beautiful, they were really practical, and that they were easier to sell. Now, I feel that we should state yeah. at this point then, that, uh, and this is, uh, this is the, uh, the progression and actually the, the, the sort of kernel of your business, that, mm. that you, you are not in a shed hammering this stuff together yourself then. So this mm. is part of how you developed the company and developed, mm. more impor importantly, yeah. local crafts. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a huge believer in collaboration and working with local craftspeople from across Herefordshire. So I was born and bred in Herefordshire. It's just part of who I am. And we always say that the silent partner in the Woody is Herefordshire. So all the materials we use, so we use local oak and wood, um, well, oak is wood, obviously. Willow, leather. Good. I'm glad you pointed that out because <laughs> that's why you're the expert. This is the learning curve. And so, so it's and all the people in there. So we've got amazing people in Herefordshire. It's a really traditional heritage craft area, and so it's bringing all those people together. So I'm not a designer, but I know about things that I like to make. I know things that people will want, and so it's designing things and bringing all these different crafts people together. So, for instance, in the lantern that I design, they're about the work of about six different craftspeople. So I've got a glass blower who makes the internal part. My uncle, who's an agricultural engineer, makes the, the frame. And then my 
blacksmith makes the, the handle and then I work with a woodsman and a joiner, these are all separate people um, who do the oak handle to hold it. Then we've got um, a beekeeper who makes a beeswax candle and you don't get that. You know, usually these disciplines work individually so they're all scattered so you might be able to go and buy a beautiful basket or a piece of glass but you never get all that together and so when you buy from me it's a really unique piece but it's this heritage you know um, the people that I work with have hundreds of years of experience between them and I think that's really important to hold that but we use it in a different way so you don't have to have um, the same items that you had in the past that's not what craft is about it's about using skills but using them in a different way so that they're for modern living and that's really important. How do you choose your products? How do you know? How do you get, you, you can't surely just go, that looks lovely and is useful to me, therefore it will sell. Yeah, no, so I have two guiding principles. Everything I do um, has to revolve around fire because I think, you know, as we all know as an entrepreneur, people give you ideas all the time. Say, so you could make that, you could do this and you can get pulled in so many different directions. So focus is really important as an entrepreneur and what you're doing. So I hold everything to two things. So one, does it revolve around fire? And two, is it made locally in Herefordshire? You know, so those two things guide my business. So, yeah, so when I start, I started with a woody, which is the wooden handle to open a hot wood burner. Then I moved on to a range of um, hearth and home. And then I thought, you know, that those were two really winter things. What am I going to do throughout the summer? You know, it's a really long time of earning no money. You know, what holds to fire in the summer? And then, you know, I started looking outside, started thinking, what do we do while we sit outside? You know, and we want to cook outside. Um, and so I designed a fire pit and I looked at what was there and I looked at what really do we really need, what's really practical. So it's not a one-trick pony, it does three things. So it's always got to have much more use to it in what I'm doing. So for our fire pits, for instance, yeah, they give out great heat because they're really, there's a brilliant design to them. But more importantly, you can cook on them. And so you cook anything, you cook on them. Um, so you could do anything from a cooked breakfast um, to making bread in them. And we have great fun in being sociable. So my fire pit's around. So it's encouraging people to sit together and be sociable so it's always about bringing family and friends together so you're selling a lifestyle then or you're, you're selling you're selling more than the object that it, that it is you're just selling the possibilities that go with it yeah i think that's really important these days because people are sick of stuff you know we get we get cheap stuff all the time and people now i'm finding want things that last a long time but they want to do things with it they want an experience so it's more about um, living with it entertaining with your friends around it or even if it's just you just sitting outside could be early in the morning using it as a table and putting your cup of tea on and reading your book it's just about being outside i'm trying you know i've talked about my early childhood being outside fishing and shooting and newting and and it's that that lovely feeling of just being outside and that's the kind of thing that I want to give to other people and my kids. You know, they use it a lot. I, I described sort of arts, sort of crafts that you're, you're um, uh, employing here as, as dying art. You, you, you took a slight affront to you. don't see it that way. Then you see them... Mm. I, I, think that's, I think that's probably the difference between city boy and, and country girl. Yeah. yeah, I think that there is de definitely, there are some that you would call dying crafts, you know, but they're, you know, when you really look at it, there's a really limited number of that. And then there's a huge amount that, that aren't, you know, for, in simple terms, that aren't done very much, you know, that aren't really, you can't get really any formal education in, to, so to speak. But on the other side, in Herefordshire, we have the oldest and the biggest blacksmithing college in the world. It's amazing. We throw out so many 
blacksmiths and it's like a ripple effect and we have a great technical college and we've got a university coming um, not just for crafts but that's sort of an engineering so it's so it's a growing thing but it's more about um, I think as I mentioned about using those crafts in a different way you know but so not just using um, a basket for you know in a traditional sense so my basket maker now um, she's got a wonderful business and she makes lampshades you know and she she does things in a really different way so you can get coffins and and all different things you know in in the traditional skill so it's about moving with the times really so yeah you know it's um there are there is a growing groundswell and I think and I would really like to get um, more people involved in it you know one of my long-term aims is to have the Woody Craft Centre where all these crafts are under one roof and where people can come and take part and where I can take apprentices I mean that's a long way in the future but you know that's well, you are I thinking that for in the future then you're not just thinking of products yeah. you're thinking of so you, you yeah. started with products then you moved into uh, use for products purpose for products and, and selling that sort of idea but you're moving even beyond that like your, your long-term view is to is to educate and involve more people? Absolutely. You know, as I said, I'd love a craft centre. Um, so we've started doing some courses now as well. And at the moment, they're revolving around um, teaching people how to cook outdoors, teaching people how to go foraging and cooking, teaching people bushcraft skills. But eventually, I would like to have, um, you know, these skills and get apprentices and, and be part of the of the rollout. So that's one of the sort of aims. But the, on the other side, I'd really like to develop some, you know, of my other products as well. So I'm doing some fire pits for camping and bushcrafting and overlanding with a view to export, you know, so because to be really strong, to be able to support these people um, and to be able to bring that up, you know, you've got a really sound financial base. So, you know, the idea of developing products that I could um, wholesale is really important because at the moment everything is handmade. There's no margin in it for me to be able to put it in any shop. I get asked all the time, but they want so much money and I, you know, it's just not worth doing. But being able to do different things to support the things that I'm really, really passionate about is really important. So, you know, being able to run courses, I'm really passionate about um, mental health. So, you know, being able to get people to come on courses and as we talked about reconnecting and finding a way to work with their hands. I mean, I'm, you can't see this but my hand movements are kind of <laughs> I could be swimming they're, they're definitely <laughs> there's a lot of emotion gesticulation going on I'll c confirm that for the record <laughs> yeah. but uh, you know I, it's like a sign of we we live in such a fast-moving society. We live in a disposable society. Everything is mass-market. Everything is mass-produced. So, to reconnect, as you said, and, and to, to, uh, to start falling in love and having connection to these objects, to this idea, this lifestyle. Then, uh, have, have you stumbled upon something? Has it always been there? Have, have you seen that it, it's growing? That, that people want? To, that there's a longing almost. Uh, yeah, I think um, for myself um, that I've always been brought up like that, and I think you get to a certain age you know I'm in my 40s and you get to a certain age where you sort of you realize how far you've come and where you are in relation to everyone else and I feel really grateful for my upbringing um, and so I've naturally gone that way I've always sort of been an outdoors sort of person it's a realization of looking at other people and seeing all the problems with um, mental health and having four children who you know can be connected a lot of the time to a device and the impact of then slowing that down getting them outside, sitting around a fire pit, for instance, or cooking, and how that changes people's um, 
whole outlook. And I think that when I now have been going for you know since 2013, so we've been selling since 2015. So I've been speaking to lots of customers, and it's the idea that they really want to be outside, they want to experience life, and and they want to reconnect. So I suppose all those conversations, it's a mixture of the two really. You know, it's marrying it all together and weaving it. You know, throughout my business. So where are the pressure points then? Because presumably you can't have a warehouse filled with stuff. It's all handmade. Much of it is bespoke or as close to because you'll never have two products that are exactly the same. Within the retail sector, there are always obviously uh, uh, periods of, of you know, well, Christmas, for instance, is a busy period. So how do you account for that? How do you turn a challenge of being ready for a, a busy period like that versus the opportunities that come with handmade? That's a really good question um, because you're right, they are handmade. And in the past, last summer, for instance, um, people were waiting up to two months um, for their fire pit. And although, um, you know, that's, that's difficult to manage, what I found is that people are prepared to wait for something handmade, for something um, that they really want because it builds up, you know, a level of anticipation. It's part of the joy of the buying process about waiting. So we'll send emails saying, you know, that it's being made and I might send the odd picture to show them what's going on. Um, but actually this year <laughs> I am turning that on its head a little bit and we're making now. So our shows start in April and we've started making to try and get ahead of that just to give us a little bit of... Um, I suppose grace because we do everything to order at the moment um, but it's tricky you know it is tricky because you're balancing um, finance of getting it all made and getting all the materials um, you know and there's always that fear as a small business what if nobody buys them you know how are we going to do that and, but now of course having several years experience um, I know that they're going to buy them. I know that come April, when we go to RHS Cardiff, for instance, um, I'll have a stock and I'll start selling them. So, but it is tough. It's a tough question. Two weeks later, the country was in lockdown and that was it. All the events Louise had been working so hard to prepare for were cancelled, and that was a situation faced by hundreds of thousands of businesses of varying sizes and in virtually all sectors across the country, across the world even. Everything just stopped. In episode 6 of The Accidental Startup, we spoke to Xuan Rees, a business development manager for NatWest, where we discussed the sort of mindset business owners needed to survive, the adaptability, pivoting, innovation and support. Support for each other and supporting their community. I caught up with Louise via the ubiquitous Zoom just as some lockdown restrictions were easing, so in part 2 of our chat she starts with the realisation that everything she had planned for this summer, with the show she was going to and the revenue she was expecting, had all gone out of the window. That whole income stream um, was wiped away um, straight away. And that was, you know, that was, that was scary and it was frustrating and I felt resentful. Um, but... I realised, you know, as everybody does, you know, health comes first, but with my business head on, I realised that that income stream had been taken away from us. We'd also spent a long time planning to do um, Woody Experience Day. So with our fire pits, we love to show people how to cook. And people have been asking us about, you know, can they come and cook with us? So we'd spent a long time planning different days for um, teaching people how to cook over fire outdoors, teaching people how to do foraging and fire pit cooking and bushcraft and fire pit cooking. So we had planned a whole series of days throughout 
this summer and they also um been postponed some of them been cancelled some of them been put back so it was pretty much overnight what are we going to do um that was uh, that yeah that was the, the first reaction for me of course then um you have to kick in and get on with it you know we're entrepreneurs you have to look for the um look for the opportunity and what you can do and one of the things that um at the beginning of the year i'd spent some time working on our strategy because our online sales are relatively small part of our business at 10 percent, and so our aim was to get that to 50 percent um this year and um, by the end of this year up to selling 50 percent and so i felt really grateful because we'd done a lot of the groundwork that a lot of people who weren't selling online um you know they just hadn't done and we were we were there so we'd spent a long time on the back end of our website um putting all the descriptions on trying to get all our listings to date trying to get our seo and just really working hard on putting content on switching to an online uh model how what have the challenges uh been how did you go about it what was time scale so i started our strategy probably back December, January. So ahead of this, we started looking at um, what we're gonna do with our website. So that was already in process. So things that we have um, changed are, um, we have been doing um, the weekly interviews. I spend a lot of time on social media, putting up posts on Instagram um, and Facebook primarily, because that's where a lot of my audience is, um, talking about these people. One of the other things that I do now is that I do um, a weekly lockdown cookout. So it's trying to engage and connect with people much more frequently. Um, and so, for instance, before monthly, um, our Woody Chef would do a cookout and I would sit and chat. But now I do a lockdown cookout every week. And so I show people how to cook really simple things. And so it's trying to connect. And I suppose I'm just really working hard to connect with people um, consistently and keeping them engaged. Have you had to um, call on any, any support, any um, uh, government funding or anything like that to, to get you through this or have you managed? So I'm fortunate in that um, at the back end of last year, I took on um, a shop and a workspace. So I was eligible for the government grant of £10,000. So I've received that. Um, Herefordshire Council um, were very quick and efficient at doing that. So I received that grant. So that's been really helpful. I mean, and it's really just me or the craftspeople that I work with um, all have their own businesses. So I don't directly um, employ anybody. So I haven't had to. I'm in a fortunate position. I haven't had to, to face that. But I'm very conscious of trying to keep these people in work and trying to give them money so I am um, that's why I'm constantly trying to drive my my business forward and so I bought extra stock um, from some of them to try and keep that going I've offered some of the people running my courses um, to pay them up front um, so I've been trying to be as helpful as I can I have not um, had to um, borrow any money as yet or take any of the loans and um, basically because um, not too long before that, I'd increased my overdraft, and I had um, capacity then in the in my funding stream, so that I'm okay for the moment. But I'll just have to see how that goes. I mean, the at the moment, I just started being in what should be an incredibly um, busy um, three to four months. And it'll be after that, to be honest, because there will be businesses that will be able to open up and start trading. But my um, busy time then doesn't come till next April. So I've missed 
the whole se- you know whole season unless I can um, really make the online sales work. And there are green shoots with that, which I'm really pleased about. Have you looked at other other um, revenue streams during this time as well? I know that some um, it, it, it's simplistic. I mean, some restaurants obviously stopped doing you couldn't go to them, so they did take away and they did delivery. Some restaurants allowed you to buy vouchers um, that you could use after um, uh, you know sort of further down the line when they reopened again. I know some hairdressers have done that as well. So have you have you looked at other ways of sort of trying to get short-term uh, revenue in with the intention of, of you know, just keeping you ticking over, anything like that? Yeah, so that's, um, that's a really good idea. So um, the vouchers, of course, I'm doing um, Woody Experience Days. So mm. I've had some people buy some of those in advance. And um, so that's um, an income stream, you know, that, that we have thought about. But our business, we were only just starting to um, market that. So it was in the very early stages anyway. And we can do that for next spring. And that is one thing that we can do. But um, at the moment, uh, it's very much about the income stream is going online. So rather than it shows, and that's where we're putting, um, I say we, that's where I'm putting um, all my energy and time at the moment is to trying to put, get the online sales. And that's not just the website. So that is being present um on social media showing people what they do so that's our cooking courses um, and our chats and all the other various things that that i put out there um so that is um more key and i'm putting much more effort into that is there anything um any unexpected benefits from lockdown anything you would miss from lockdown yeah i think that the spending time um with our family just with the children it's it's been amazing and I know my daughters are, you know will be leaving home soon she's nearly 19 so this feels like a really special time and and for me it, it's been all about spending time with the family um and that's had its challenges as you can imagine three boys and a girl and physical fights you know but it's that's definitely that's daughters for time. you you know they can't help yeah. it <laughs> Oh dear, yeah, I'm really getting to love Joe Wicks. Joe Wicks every morning, PE. <laughs> Some mornings it's just me though. <laughs> so that's yeah, good. I noticed then... that as well. I noticed that you know, <laughs> when we started this, that there was a whole family fitness thing, all four of us, and now it's sort of, and I noticed it with other people as well. Everybody started with the best intentions, and there's sort of, you see them sort of like there's four, and now there's three, and then there's two, and then basically it's just like one person, the dog, just having to walk or run around the park or something. That's where, <laughs> that's kind of where we're at. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm uh, there. But you know what? I've read seven books or seven audio books you know I never really get time so I'm doing some practical work on the house taking the paint off the house and you know taking the exercise um, and spending some time on me and um, a couple of years ago two or three years ago um, I had a mental breakdown you know life got too much with we were building extension you know children two businesses life got really tough and um, yeah I think that I just uh, you know I snapped one day and I think that this is a great remember, reminder for self-care. And I think that um, this time has been really helpful to me because usually I'd be jetting off all around the country at shows and it's given me a really quiet time. So, you know, so now I'm, I'm out walking every day. I've actually just signed up for next summer to do um, the Welsh Three Peaks Challenge. I've just downloaded um, the Couch to 5K. I'm not a runner at all, but I'm you know, determined next year to run a half marathon. So it's definitely given me time to think about myself and to, um, to readjust. And so I'm okay. grateful for that. Um, I've got another challenge for you. Um, okay. 
fire pit on yeah. the three peaks. <laughs> well, carrying it all the way. Well, think of it this way. Think of it as product yeah. development. What if there was a uh, foldable camping woody, um, which you could yeah. carry up the three peaks and then cock on top of a peak? <laughs> well, do you know what? That's one of the new product designs that I'm working on. Is Shut up. It's a camping one. So, Is it really? <laughs> it is. Absolutely. Genius. I'm working on three different designs. So there maybe that'll speed me along to take the prototype. I'm, I'm, a very I'm telling you, that, that is marketing <laughs> gold. You can have that for nothing. <laughs> right, Alex, you're on. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Uh, next few uh, weeks then, I mean, as we talk now then, uh, some restrictions are starting to uh, be lifted to a certain extent. Uh, there's a little bit more relaxation then. Um, what is next uh, next week, next three weeks, next month looking like for, for you at the moment? So much of the same. Um, so online sales, um, because the things that have been um, lifted, all the shows have still been cancelled you know, um, and the restrictions. So for my cooking courses, those still can't happen at the moment. So very much the same for the next few weeks. I'm just working hard on line sales. Um, in the coming months, it'll be whether I can start putting some of our cooking courses out there. And then um, the show, hopefully there's one in September um, to go to. But and then getting on and doing my designs, actually, you know, thinking about how I can get these new products out and using some of this time to do that, you know, eking out, you know, and perhaps get a Barbara's four, you know, and do a bit of um, work on the, uh, no, <laughs> I sometimes do that. The <laughs> thing is, when you have four children, you're so used to getting up early, it, you know, short nights. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, there's early and then there's, the only time people ever get up at half past four is to go to the airport. That's it. Yeah, we're not doing that anymore, are we? Well, no, no, you can't do that anymore. No, no. <laughs> Um, wow. Um, oh, you said that you'd read seven books. Any books yeah. that you'd recommend around business development-y, mindset-y type stuff at this time? Yeah, definitely. So I've read uh, Mindset by Carol Dweck. Um, mm -hmm. That was a, that a brilliant book. Yeah. And I've read, um, oh dear, what's the one about um, habits? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Hang on. Oh, yeah. Hang on. What, hang on. Let's just have a look uh one second i'll get my audio books up here I'll yes tell you. No, I'm, I'm doing exactly the same we're, we're both just um just searching order yeah right so i've read um oh hang on where's my library so i've read um atomic habits that's ah, atomic Clear. habits yes that's on my yeah. list as well that, yes that's, yeah, that's, that's a recommend then yeah definitely a recommend i've read the fear bubble by aunt middleton that's another great book. I okay. really like that. Right. Um, Legacy, James Legacy, Kerr. yes, yeah, yes, that's yes. A brilliant standard, one. yeah. Um, what else have I read? The Universe Has Your Back by Gab Gabrielle Bernstein. That's, that's a, a really that's interesting a book. That's that's a really good for um, self-care and mindfulness. Okay. That's really good. I'm in the middle of the pimp, um, not the pimp paradox, the chimp paradox. That's kind of one that I've got to come Yeah, the pimp paradox, to. that's an entirely different book. You might want to keep that one to yourself. <laughs> Uh, Behind the Mask by Tyson Fury, Gypsy King rules. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's really big good. Tyson King, uh, big Tyson fan, Tyson Fury yeah. fan, then? Yeah, Blimey. absolutely. Yeah, there's a, there's really a story nice. there, isn't it? There's definitely a narrative there. Wow. Yeah, I, wow. I love so, that he uh, comes from his heritage. And I'm currently reading The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. There you go. And do you take something from each of them, then? I mean, uh, do you, yeah. are you religiously following, or just sort of, I, I need to remember that for later, or do you jot this stuff down, or what? <laughs> No, I don't write anything down. I just take it all on board. And I think that you live it for a while and I'm sure that I'll have to revisit some of them, but it's, it's given me a, 
a big picture. I think that you, I think it's really hard to live specific things. The Atomic Habits actually is really good. And I love the idea that Jess do something little every day. We've got a saying in our house that just pick up one sock. You know, when you can't do anything else, when you're so tired or feeling so down, you can do nothing, just pick up a sock, you know, and that's kind of how we live our lives, really. Mm. Well, you've got four children, there must be socks everywhere. <laughs> maybe, maybe there are socks nowhere now. <laughs> do you know how many socks that is a week? That's, <laughs> that's a, lot a lot of socks. socks. And ne <laughs> never a pair. That's right. <laughs> And that was Louise Wright, founder of Woody, and thank you to her for taking the time to chat to us. Louise's experiences are almost universally shared. For generations, no one has had to come to terms and deal with a situation where the world pretty much came to a halt outside of war. In those situations, it is necessity, not luxury lifestyle products which come to the fore. We narrow our range, we hunker down, we count the pennies, we spend them all on toilet roll, as it turned out, and thank heavens that madness is over. But what that means for businesses like Woody is they have to work so much harder. What Louise has done in developing her online sales strategy, offering vouchers and even supporting her suppliers as much as she can by buying up stock and to continue developing her community with online cookout sessions and such is a classic case of reevaluating, redirecting, rethinking and possibly even rediscovering your business in ways you hadn't considered before. There's a long way to go, and she won't know the full impact or benefits of what she's been doing until many months down the line. But even when the world stops, doing nothing for the business owner is not an option, whether you're a coffee shop or a car manufacturer or a creator of beautiful bespoke home and garden products. Lockdown restrictions are beginning to ease, and businesses are looking at or even putting into practice not just social distancing and PPE measures, but other ideas to work in what is universally being referred to as the new normal. Things aren't going to be the same again for quite some time. That's it for this edition of the Accidental Startup Podcast. If you liked it, then why not check out our previous episodes and maybe even subscribe via your podcast provider. And if you are overcome with love and generosity for what we're doing here, it'd be lovely if you gave us a five-star review so that others may discover these little gems as well. The Accidental Startup is an Eat Sleep Media production. It's hosted by Anchor, and the music and sound effects in this episode are from Artlist. Artlist.